Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. We are in week two of our series entitled Character Sketch, and this week we are joined by the Reverend Dr. John Guest. Pastor John will be preaching on the courage of Joshua. Here he is with this week's message. Thank you for listening. One man at a time, one woman at a time, it happens. I mean, Joshua's one guy. I've got so much to say about him, it's, it's as if I should just save half of it till Wednesday night next, this coming week, the week we're in. I don't know how to get through it. So you pray for me. We've already prayed for you. One man. There was another guy with Joshua, Caleb. I don't know if you've picked up on the story, but they have already come through the Red Sea. They've escaped from Egypt. They've arrived at the border of the promised land. And Moses, whose name doesn't turn up in the text this morning, sends a group of guys in representing the tribes of uh, Israel to check out the land. And they come back with the message, as you heard from Caleb and Joshua, that it's a spectacular land. But they're the only two out of a gang of I don't know how many at least a dozen, maybe 15, 20 guys, who said, let's go take that land, the land God has promised to us. The rest of the gang said, it's too much of a task. The walled cities, the giant-like folks there made us feel like grasshoppers. When they got that message, the crowd, the children of Israel chose to believe the naysayers. So there they were, weeping, and saying, we should go back to Egypt. There's one point at which they even say, when Joshua and Caleb stand against running, and hear all this moaning and wailing and talking about going to Egypt, back home, back to slavery, back to the mess, they actually planned on stoning Joshua and Caleb. The result of all this is 40 years in the wilderness. And all those who were from age 20 upward, God said, you will not enter the promised land. And they died in the wilderness across those 40 years. Moses didn't even get to go into the promised land. Just two guys, at least of the 20 years and older. Those were Joshua and Caleb. Anybody younger than 20 was not considered an adult. They got to go into the promised land along with their offspring some 40 years later. So I want to fast forward in the scriptures and read to you another passage. 40 years later, all those whining, weeping, wailing people are dead, buried in the wilderness. Their bones, their flesh, rotting in the wilderness. They're done. They're gone. The younger generation and the kids after them are on the edge of the promise. Forty years later, they're back there again. In Joshua chapter 1, you have these words. God speaking to Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua... Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you, 
And all these people get ready and cross the Jordan River into the land. I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the desert to Lebanon, from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, that is, to the great sea on the west, that's the Mediterranean. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here is the command. It comes three times to be strong and courageous. Listen to it. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. There it is again. Be careful careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Here it comes again. This is my life verse. My, John Guest's, life verse. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Three commands to be strong and courageous. In the face of what Moses had to deal with 40 years earlier with a wailing mob of cowards, gutless cowards. And what Moses failed to accomplish, the mighty, amazing, fantastic Moses, Joshua gets to do. Moses, my servant, is dead. You just heard me read that. You, Joshua, are going to lead this people into the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. God commands courage. Finally, he says, have not I commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. This isn't just a good idea and a good plan in order to take the promised land. God is commanding courage. No less for us today. The Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear, cowardice, is not from God. God can always bless courage, however ineptly and unappropriately, inappropriately, it's displayed. He can never bless cowardice. And do we need strength and courage today against that whole spirit of cowardice, weakness, pathetic silence in the face of a world that's going mad with sin? The answer is yes. Some of you older folks, maybe even younger ones, know the name Alexander Solzhenitsyn. 
He was a courageous Russian, spent years in a gulag, a Russian concentration camp, like the Nazi concentration camps, survived. He was a writer and author, brilliant man, ends up in the USA and ends up speaking at the Harvard University commencement. Great author, great writer, great courage. Gutsy. But this is what he had to say amongst so many things. I quote, The Western world has lost its civil courage, both as a whole and separately in each country, each government, each political party, and of course in the United Nations. Such a decline in courage is particularly noticeable among the ruling groups and the intellectual elite. Tell me, who was Solzhenitsyn addressing at Harvard? All the mums and dads, the grandparents, people who put a fortune into the education of their kids. Such a decline in courage is particularly noticeable among the ruling groups and intellectual elite causing an impression of the loss of courage by the entire society. Should one point out that from ancient times, decline in courage has been considered the beginning of the end, where people just wimp out, go with the flow, take the easy way, never exhibit, hear these words, the courage of their convictions. And I see that rampantly here in the USA. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm speaking with an English accent, but I am an American. I have joined you. I stand with you. And I feel that lack of courage. Hence, this Bible verse to me, be strong and of a good courage. Do you know it takes courage to preach the word of God? Do you know why so few ministers really preach it and lay it out there and say what it has to say? Because of cowardice. Because they know people will be upset at what the Bible has to say. You need to pray for churches and pastors. Some of you have been around and about some lengthy period of time and here you are at Christ Church. Don't just criticize us, pray for us. That we may be bold for Christ. There's a kind of genius that goes with boldness. It's so unique that whenever you see anybody act courageously, you get it. You get it. You be that one person who will stand courageously. Now, there are some encouragements within this text by which we can stand courageously. God has commanded it. Here's the first of them. God is committed to the task he has given us to do. God has a plan. This is the way it's expressed to Joshua. Listen to these words again. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Centuries before, God had promised Abraham, there's the word promised, a promised land, 
a chosen people, and to be a blessing to the world. Inherent in that is the promise of the Messiah, Jesus, Son of the living God. God had made a promise. He swore that that land would be theirs because of Abraham's faithfulness. They get to the edge of the promised land to go enter it, and they wimp out. Forty years later, they're back there again, and the leadership has devolved upon Joshua, and he takes it on. He doesn't wimp out. He goes and says, let's get prepared. We're on our way. And they go in and take the promised land. That's what we call the Holy Land today, Israel. It's amazing how that's been the center of so much warfare and controversy over the years. It's like a battleground. Do you realize that Jesus was executed in the promised land? Jerusalem. He rose from the grave in the promised land. He ascended to glory from the promised land. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the body of believers, it was in Jerusalem, the heart of the promised land. No wonder it's a battleground. It's a holy battleground. But God is committed to his plan. He's got a plan for today and for you. It hasn't gone away. Very next thing God says to them, at least to Joshua, keep your head into my word. Meditate on it day and night. To quote Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Isn't that interesting? He doesn't go to military might. He doesn't go to what clearly they're going to need by way of warfare and instruments of warfare. He goes to his word. No less for us. If we're going to have the courage to live by God's word and truth, we've got to get our heads into it. Do you realize that we today are constantly, whether it's through the social media, through the hardcore media of print or radio or television, we are being bombarded by another point of view than God's point of view. And we're soaking it up from little children like these kids sitting in the front row here. The air we breathe is full of lies from Satan himself, poisoning our thinking and the direction of our lives, weakening our conviction, and with that our courage. And so it is today. If you don't get your head into God's word, you're just going to be soaking up all this filth and crap and the lies, and you're just going to be another gutless wimp going along, flowing with all the debris. Scripture speaks about us being conformed and transformed in our minds by God's word. It's not just a nice feeling. It's not just to get a charge. It's to get your thinking straight. God's word. If you're going to go to battle, you've got to know God's plan, God's ways out of God's word. My wife and I read it together every day. We did this morning before I came out to church and prayed together. 
Soak up God's word. Yesterday I was working on this sermon. Young lady who's in ministry now from this church with Urban Impact popped into my office. She married another boy from the church here. They're working. And she said she saw that I was up to my eyeballs in putting this together, a real mess out there on my desk. She said, what are you doing? And I said, preparing for tomorrow to preach. She said, well, preach the word. That's another of my big verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word in season and out of season. Just two times to preach it. But every day to read it and be into it. And to condition our thinking by it. And if you're not doing that, I can tell you, you are getting wiped out intellectually, emotionally, and with your courage. Because the rest of whatever's coming at you is against the kingdom of God, against the ways of God, the will of God, and the purpose of God. So, day and night, meditate on that word. Adjust your attitude, your thinking, your planning of your life, and how you use your energy according to God's word and truth. Here's the next encouragement. You've got two so far. God's planning. He's got a goal. And when you get in conformity to his goal, a move with him, he's putting wind in your sails. He's the one who gets it done through you. It's not your deal, it's his. So he's in your team, put another way, you're in his team. And you've got his word, his game plan, his thoughts on the matter. But here's the next huge promise. I will be with you. That same verse 9. Have not I commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Have you ever heard that phrase before? I will be with you wherever you go? That's the Great Commission. That's our task. Go into all the world, make disciples of all nations. I will be with you. That's no mean promise. By that I mean no minuscule little weak promise. Like the Bible says, and we've got a whole rock and roll song for it. If God is for us, who can be against us? When you were a kid, if you had a big tough guy in your crowd, your gang... You didn't mind where you went because you had the big tough guy with you. Girls don't think like this, I don't think, I don't know. But boys, you know, there's all this jostling, who's running the show, who's the tough guy in the school. I remember going to a fight. (laughs) Not me in it, but to watch it between the two toughest guys in our school at lunch break. Went off campus, not allowed to do that around here anymore. And they had a set to. And the guy I was rooting for, Robinson, his last name, won. Beat up the other guy. There was one point at which he had his arm around his head and he's banging him in the face. (laughs) And some adult who was passing by said, stop, stop, stop. Bang, bang, bang. Kid turned up, Long was his last name. Both black eyes next day in school. There's no doubt who was the tough guy in our school. And I 
was in his team. When God is for us, now you're talking about some kind of weight and consequence here. is isn't just a tough guy at school. This is the God of all power, glory, might, honor. I will be with you. It's great you can lead a kid, a little child, through dangerous traffic and crowds of people if you've got a hold of his or her hand. And she'll go with you, or he'll go with you. God's got a hold of your hand. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Wherever you go, I'll be there. So what are you facing at school or at work? What battles are you in the middle of in your own spirit and soul? He's with you. Lastly, Moses, Caleb, and Joshua were a trio. Moses is dead. Joshua takes over but Caleb's right there with him. And when they go into the promised land, I'd love you to go read this all up. But when they go into the promised land, and this is back in the book of Numbers still, they take it. And Caleb comes to Joshua and he said, I want the piece of land for my inheritance where the giants were, the Anakim, the hill country called Hebron. He said, I want that piece of land. Joshua gave it to him. But Caleb took on the heart and the mess and the, uh, the, had terrified the whole community 40 years earlier. And it was given to him and he took it. We do need others in our lives. You're not going to make it on your own. That's why the scripture says we're to, to, to never forsake the assembling of ourselves together. That's not about getting a crowd in order to have a worship service. That's about needing encouragement from each other. The fellowship, fellowship is a big deal. Being together. If you're not in the word of God regularly, daily, go to the bookshop that's right here. Get yourself a life-focused New Testament. I keep pushing it because it organizes at least the reading of the New Testament for you. And in one year, if you start today because of the way it's set out daily, you'll read a year later. One year from now, you'll have read the whole of the New Testament with a significant piece of truth every day. Soak in God's word, meditate on it. That's the one hand. Then we've got each other and the possibility, just as Pastor Robbie was saying, we have small groups, opportunities to get together where we can talk, encourage. I'm a part of a small group. One of our ladies in our group has just gone through cancer and cancer treatment. We were there for her to pray with her, to encourage her. When we got together, we never ever thought that that would be the case. But we need each other. We talk about our lives, our careers. One of the guys in the group has just sold a business. But we prayed with him about it. About big stuff in our lives. They pray for me when I'm traveling and preaching. For me being here with you this morning. We need each other. Have you got that? To be able to stand together. God's given us each other. The body of Christ. The fellowship in the spirit of Christ. I want to close with this fantastic report that I got. And I don't know where we are in time. But this is so amazing. By time I mean I know where we are in time generally speaking. But where I am in my 
allotted sermon time. Listen to this. This is from the Middle East. Salma and Amir, these names are false names just to cover their identity, are from the Middle East. They have been helping to give humanitarian aid to Syrian refugees. After winning their trust, Salma and Amir arranged for a showing of Magdalena, a version of the Jesus movie for women. Because the people actually came to a showing in a church, Salma and Amir expected no more than 25 to come. Said Salma, when we arrived, I was in complete shock. There was a sea of black in the church, women in their traditional dress covered from head to toe. They were sitting shoulder to shoulder, packed in tightly. There wasn't a seat left. I estimated about 200 women, fully covered, that's in their Islamic garb. They were nearly all wives of radical men. I feared that when they realized I was about to show them a Christian film, they might kill me. Lord, this is in your hands. I went to the front before them. Their eyes were filled with hate. Lord, I prayed, only you can do this. This is your problem to own and solve. Amir inserted the DVT. Got these two ladies showing this movie to a gang of Islamic women. The, she inserted the... Uh, DVD into the player and started projecting the film on the screen. I fully expected some of the women to bolt, to leave the building angrily, perhaps many of them. No one moved, not an inch. Magdalena, the adaption of the Jesus film for women, came to the crucifixion scene. I couldn't believe it. They were transfixed, eyes focused. Ears hearing the words of Jesus. Then came the resurrection of Jesus. To them another offensive concept. Everyone stayed, not one woman left. They were taking it all in. When the film ended, I went to the front of the room and prayed silently. Lord, you are in control. I can't do this. He gave me boldness. I said... I know you have lost your homes or your possessions, some of you your husbands and sons. I know you are hurting, but God has brought you here. You have seen the God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. You have a choice to make this day. And then this came out of my mouth by the Holy Spirit. I lifted my left hand and I pointed to my left you can either follow the dead founder of your religion and go to hell, or, pointing with my right arm outstretched, you can receive Jesus, the living God who died for you and was raised to life. You can receive him and have eternal life. Would you pray with me if you want to follow Jesus? This is not a made-up story. This is a report. I couldn't believe it. As I prayed the sinner's prayer, there were tears among them. They were saying, Yeshua, that's Hebrew for Jesus. Jesus, Isa, that's Arabic for Jesus. Isa is the true way, the true God, 
Then I asked those who wanted to follow Jesus to raise their hands. Not one, not 20, but all of them raised their hands. They all decided to follow Jesus. They began to take off their head coverings. Their angry, hopeless eyes softened, released from shame. They were beaming with joy and smiling. They began to hug one another and me, saying, thank you, thank you. For the first time in our lives, we know we are loved. Many said, we want to show this DVD to our families, our friends, in our refugee neighborhoods. Can we have our own DVDs? We'd only brought 60 extra DVDs. But there was such demand that we sent the team, one of the team, back to the warehouse to get more. And we gave them all we had in store. 2,500 DVDs of the Jesus movie. That's one report here. There are others. Common denominator between what we have been studying together this morning from Joshua's life and his calling and what happened in that refugee camp. Common denominator is courage. Not an absence of fear, but courage in the face of fear. Knowing what the dangers really were. The dangers didn't go away. They weren't transmitted to some other place. They were real. God can always bless courage. He can never bless cowardice. I love the hymn, Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. You soldiers of the cross, lift high his royal banner. It shall not suffer loss. From victory unto victory, his army will he lead. That's us. Till every foe is conquered and Christ is Lord indeed. Pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that even now as we prepare to come to a holy table and remember how much you love us, your dying love on our behalf, as we come, Lord, as we come, help us to come to you, not just to a ceremonial piece of bread and a sip of wine, to you. When we stand up, may we stand up for you. When we come forward, maybe it, may it be to you. When we kneel, maybe it make it to be at your feet, Lord. And as we reach out with our hands, may it be to you, Lord. Come and fill us with yourself by your spirit. We give ourselves over to you. We surrender our all to you. And may we remember that you go with us and will never leave us nor forsake us as we go in your name to speak and share with others your love for them. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.